What are we doing? This is uh, February 9th. Yes, February 9th. And we're looking at, uh, actually this is just the first lesson for uh, the prayers. This is uh, a service of the heart. We're looking at the Shema. Uh, let's uh, open with prayer. Father, we do thank you that you have given us uh, your word that is a sure word, that we can uh, know that you uh, have revealed yourself in it, Father. And we thank you that you have given us such uh, a clear revelation of you, of your plan and of your purposes for us. We thank you for it. Father, we bow to you as king, knowing that we have no king but you. Father, we pray that you might open your word to us, that you might uh, reveal uh, yourself uh, in it to us. And Father, as we also discuss traditions and prayers, Father, help us to focus upon uh, uh, what they focus upon, Father, and that is upon you. We pray in Yeshua's name. Amen. Uh, last week we looked at just an introduction to the prayers. Uh, we went through the book of Acts and I pointed out, not all, but a number of the uh, very important references that reference to prayer. Um, specifically, we, we talked about uh, the very, uh, there's a couple places in Acts that uh, our English translations specifically leave out the article, the the prayer and the prayers, um, which in English make no sense until you pick up a siddur and see that these are the prayers. Um, why is that? And we, we, we talked about how it, how it is uh, probably, uh, certainly not, maybe not intentional today, but is, it was intentional in days past to make a separation between uh, what Jewish people do when they worship and what Christian people do when they worship uh, and what we, what, we, what we saw also was that the prayers are are uh, nothing, nothing less than pure worship uh, they're no different than songs. Uh, no one can ever imagine, coming from an American uh, church background, no one could imagine ever having a worship service without singing. Um, we should have that same perspective about prayer. Unfortunately, the only perspective that many people have in a tradition is that prayer is, uh, begins a certain way, ends a certain way, and then includes whatever the prayer wants to include in the middle. Um, Unfortunately, that, that, although that is a, not only an acceptable model, it is an absolutely good model, but it's not the only model for prayer. And uh, we've lost, I believe, we've lost a great connection to our root when we have set aside the prayers. And our first, the, uh, Yeshua's first disciples did not. I'm going to read from the art scroll. This is Shacharit. This is uh, Shacharit. Uh, for the weekdays, uh, simply because it's a little bit, a uh, little bit longer, um, and it's easier for me to find since I pray it more often than, than Shabbat. Uh, this is the Shema. It begins with what's on the board, and that first somebody asked, "What's that letter after the Aleph there? That little K? It's a K. <laughs> it's, it's. Uh, we would pronounce it L. We would write it, and I write it Ek. And the reason why is so that it can be erased. So it's not God's name. It's like putting a dash in it. El Melech Neman, which means God, trustworthy king. This is the way the Shema begins. Now the Shema begins with the Chazan, whoever's leading prayer, to start by saying El Melech Neman, God, trustworthy king. Who do we address this to? Uh, It is traditional to cover your eyes when you say Shema, when you pray Shema. Why? He can't be looked upon. Yeah. Our eyes cannot uh, cannot imagine uh, what uh, 
what he is like. And uh, we cover our eyes out of respect, as the angels cover their eyes. Uh, I'm simply saying this, reading this to you. You don't need to join in. Amelech Raman. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed is the name of his glorious kingdom for all eternity. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your resources. Let these matters that I command you today be upon your heart. Teach them thoroughly to your children and speak of them while you sit in your home, while you walk in the way, when you retire, and when you arise. Bind them as a sign upon your arm and let them be fulfilled between your eyes and write them on the doorposts of your house and upon your gates. And it will come to pass that if you will continually hearken to my commandments that I command you today to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I'll provide rain for your land in its proper time, the early and late rains that you may gather in your grain, your wine, and your oil. I'll provide grass in your field for your cattle you will eat and be satisfied. Beware, lest your heart be seduced and you turn astray. And serve God of others and bow to them. Then the wrath of the Lord will blaze against you. He will restrain the heavens so there will be no rain, and the ground will not yield its produce, and you will swiftly be banished from the goodly land which the Lord gives you. Place these words of mine upon your heart and upon your soul. Bind them for a sign upon your arm, and let them be to fill them between your eyes. Teach them to your children to discuss them while you sit in your home, while you walk in the way, when you retire, when you rise. And write them on the doorposts of your house and upon your gates. In order to prolong your days and the days of your children upon the ground that the Lord has sworn to your ancestors to give them like the days of the heaven on the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and say to them, They are to make for themselves zitzit on the corners of their garments throughout their generations. And they are to place upon the zitzit of each corner a thread of tehillet. And it shall constitute zitzit for you, that you may see it, and remember all the commandments of the Lord, and perform them, and not explore after your heart, and after your eyes, after which you stray. So that you may remember and perform all my commandments, and be holy to your God. I am the Lord your God, who has removed you from the land of Egypt to be a God to you. I am the Lord your God. It is true. The Lord your God is true. Amen. Uh, the Shema is, is powerful in many different ways. First of all, it's most powerful because it's almost pure scripture. Except for the beginning and the end, it's pure scripture. Most of the prayers are. Uh, I do, do not assume because I tell you Art Scroll is a great seduer that I endorse everything in Art Scroll. What I do endorse is the scripture that's in it and a lot. And I, I would say 90% of it is just scripture rearranged. It's, it's, it's powerfully rearranged. Uh, it's powerfully put together. I shouldn't say rearranged. Put together. Different passages put together that follow a theme. The Shema is actually three uh, um, Three passages put together. We'll talk about that, and that's the lesson today. Uh, This is from Mark chapter 12, verse 28 through 33. Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceived that he, this is speaking of Yeshua, had answered them well. Asked them, which is the first commandment of all? Yeshua answered, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, mind, and with all your strength. It's interesting that Greek has to come up with three terms when Hebrew only needs two. <laughs> uh, it's a difference in language. So English gives us the extra words. Uh, this is the first commandment, and the second is like it. 
like like it is this you shall love your neighbor as yourself people think that's a new commandment of course it's not it's from Leviticus chapter 19 this is the first commandment and the second is like it you shall love your neighbor as yourself there is no other commandment greater than these the scribe said well said teacher you have spoken the truth for there is one God and there is no other but he and to love him with all the heart with all the understanding with all the soul with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the burnt offerings and the sacrifices what we saw last week is was talking about that the the prayers are related to the temple uh, and they're always and always have been related to temple worship when the temple was standing it was what was being said in the courtyards uh, with the prayers it was what was being said at places synagogues and and meeting places all across the land and across the world facing Jerusalem when the when the temple was standing um, it is especially true today that they're temple related. This makes some people uncomfortable. In Judaism, Reform Judaism finds it very uncomfortable that these are related to the, to the sacrifices because they repudiate the sacrifices. It's an ancient religion that has no, has no basis today. Uh, even among some in conservative Judaism would follow that same line of thinking. It is only Orthodox Judaism that holds the temple service in high regard. It is why when you go on Aruz um, Sheva or other places where you can read about Temple Institute, and Rabbi uh, Chaim Richman, and you can read his love for the ancient temple and his desire to rebuild the temple. Uh, it is from that Orthodox tradition that that comes. And I would include Messianics. The vast majority of Messianics would be equally in- impressed with the importance of the temple yesterday and tomorrow and today in the expression of prayer. Uh, and that is where Judaism, why Judaism holds these prayers so precious is because they're a reminder of what they had. I read from Berchot last week, uh, from the first tractate of the Talmud, uh, in that, in that uh, story about uh, Rabbi Yossi, and as he, uh, as, he, as, he, as he goes into a ruin to pray, uh, he imagines he hears a voice saying, crying, as a dove crying. Um, and, and woefully crying that, that the king has had to destroy his house and that his children are scattered but that every time he, he hears Yehei Shmara uh, Nevarach which is part of the Kaddish that he, that he nods his head and is blessed because his pil- pil- children still praise him in this way the connection to the temple we talk about set times prayers set time prayer as a reference for us today uh, as it was in ancient times and in the times of the first century and afterwards uh, the time being of course morning, afternoon, evening remember it's temple related therefore it's related with the offerings remember the purpose of the offerings was not to secure salvation uh, it was not to secure forgiveness for sins in and of themselves. Uh, certainly that some of them were, but the vast majority of offerings were simple worship. That's all they were. Uh, the problem is you couldn't go worship if you were dirty, sinful. And so something had to be done temporally. And the Hebrews deals with this. The book of Hebrews deals very, very uh, well with the idea that the offerings served a purpose temporarily while people were in worshiping the temple. They, to in fact effectively keep them alive so that they could worship uh, the uh, the place uh, we, we don't have a temple now uh, I, I have never been up there I've been offered several times um, 
I know people have, and and uh, uh, you know my son Joshua, he's he's been on the Temple Mount. My brother's gone up there to pray. Uh, of course, if you go up there to pray, you can't go up there with a sedur. That would be awful. Yeah, you can't do that. I mean, it's the Temple Mount. <laughs> um, uh, there's an abomination on the Temple Mount. Uh, more importantly, to me, the most important part, and it's why if you do decide to go, that you should go with someone knowledgeable, is to not step on those places that were holy, because they still are. Uh, and and so uh, making sure that you don't just wander around up there, as many do, praying to false gods. But absent that, we can still pray facing that direction, which is actually the injunction that's given uh, to Solomon. When when you pray, when you my people pray facing this place, uh, is is what God tells him and us. So it is something. It's not just symbolic. It's a it's a heart that is directed that way. No matter which way you're facing, um, it's it's something very important to recognize that our hearts are there in the city of the king, even if we've never been there. Uh, the order uh, we talked about the order. Here's the thing that's really amazing to me. If you start reading, if you start reading in the Psalms, starting about 113. At the beginning, you'll see songs or psalms of ascent. What are psalms of ascent? These are the songs that the people used to sing as they walked up the steps to the Beit Hamikdash, the holy temple. What songs were they? They're songs of pilgrimage. You know, if you can imagine coming up the road to Jerusalem, which was the oft-traveled road to get from Galilee. I don't know why you go down the Jordan Valley. It's a little bit easier than going through Samaria. Ick. Right? Seems like the same problem today. Uh, if you're coming from Galilee to go to Jerusalem, Yeshua went through Samaria sometimes, and sometimes he went through the Jordan. If you're coming up from, Jer- from, the, from, from the Jordan Valley through Jericho, you would come up these stairs, these huge steps, go from all the way up the city of David, which is way down the valley from the, from the Temple Mount. The city of David, which is where David actually built his palace, was, is down from the Temple, not above it. Uh, it way down the valley, you walk up these massive stairs into the holy gates of the second temple what a what an unbelievable sight it would have been what power you would have felt just being with the throng it's here we're here for passover we're here for shavuot we're here for sukkot what a what an amazing thing to have experienced that these are the songs the songs the songs the psalms of ascent they're written they're written for going to Jerusalem to worship and then when you get there you worship uh, so this approaching from the outside and moving in is something that is very present in temple worship and within the prayers you'll find the prayers begin outside first prayers are thanking him for well, first of all returning my soul to me uh, waking up in the morning I'm alive <laughs> right and, and from there on all the way through all the way through the morning service uh, you find a moving from outside temporal uh, the things that are nature the sun you know thanking him for that he created light uh, and moving all gradually inside and you find in the in the uh, in the in the shakari actually in all of the prayers that the inside the holy of holies is when you are praying the Shimona Esra, the 18 benedictions the amidah the standing prayer which is specifically called hatafila which is 
the prayer as we read in Acts. So it is a it is a it is a very messianic prayer. We're going to talk about that uh, actually not next week because I will not be here next week. Uh, Matt's going to teach, uh, but the week after that and hopefully the week after that we'll delay Matthew one more week so I can get two weeks for the Shemona Esrei the Amidah. Um, so they're gradually moving inwards. The Shema is towards the beginning. It's the, it's the establishment of what is it that what is it that we're doing and who is it that we're speaking to. Uh, the words, uh, as we've seen, the prayers from the psalm are, are, are mostly the psalms and phrases from temple time. Uh, we've talked about the uh, um, before. We've talked about the. Uh, it says in the, in the uh, art scroll after it, it says the first line of the Shema. It says, "Blessed is the name of His glorious kingdom for all eternity." That's a temple phrase. It's not found in scripture anywhere. Why do we say it? Because it's the phrase that people in the temple times would say every time they heard the high priest on Yom Kippur say the name, Hashem's name, the four letters, out loud, you know, which is like unheard of. Well, it was unheard of, except for Yom Kippur. Everybody would fall on their face and cry out, Blessed be the name of His glorious kingdom for all eternity. So every time you say that, you should be thinking, what a holy name that is, that is unpronounced. I mean, it is, it is, that's its purpose. Uh, and we also talk about how Levites were assigned temple duty at the various points of the times of the prayers, in the morning of the third hour, or 9 a.m., in the afternoon, at the uh, ninth hour, or 3 p.m., and in the evening, after sunset, when the last sacrifices were all piled on and burned all night, the Mari, the, the third hour, which would be uh, or the third time of prayer, the Levites would come and sing. They would sing the psalms, the prayers, these prayers. And uh, then there were Israelites assigned from every village across the nation. Beginning in the time of David, they were assigned to go. It's your turn to go and live in Jerusalem for uh, these, many, these, these few months. And it's your turn to go and represent us, our village, in the daily prayers. So this was a duty that was joined by many, many people. If you were in Jerusalem, as long as you were Tahor, you were welcome into the temple to pray uh, during these times. And it's what we see in the book of Acts repeatedly. That's what the apostles are going to do. They're on the way to the temple. Why? To pray. This was their, this was they, they thought this was their duty. They thought this was their, their duty to Messiah. Uh, one of the things that we're going to see, especially when you get to the Shemona Esrei, the Amidah, all the, way through the, all the way through the prayers, but especially in the Amidah, the focus of the Messianic kingdom. It is, it is uh, like I say, it's evident everywhere, but there are specific blessings that are focused upon the Messianic age. And, and, and it is one of the reasons why Messianics in particular, but all believers need to, need to re-examine these prayers for their own prayer life because they adequately, no, they don't adequately, they uh, so well address our heart's cry for the return of Messiah and the establishment of his kingdom. It's another reason why many, many sectors of Christianity would not have anything to do with these prayers is because they see that as something that is spiritual and not physical. They do not believe that he would ever come back and reign in Jerusalem. Jerusalem doesn't matter. The land doesn't matter. By the way, when we read the Shema, does the land matter? It's, all, it's woven all the way through there, isn't it? So you can see why some people would not want to pray these prayers. 
That's very sad. Because they're real. They're real words that God gave us. Um, let's look at some examples. We looked at Daniel last week. We looked at Daniel and the example of Daniel. We saw him three, praying three times. Shakarit, Mincha, which is the afternoon, corresponding to the afternoon offering. And Mari, the evening, corresponding to the leftover offerings. Uh, a large portion of the Talmud, a large portion of the Mishnah, are actually dealing with how to pray. And the rules for praying. I didn't... Maybe you didn't know there are rules for praying. But there are rules for praying. Very strict rules for praying. Uh, of all the rules there are, these are the strictest. Uh, so maybe you don't find that kind of thing inviting. But uh, at least you can understand why the rules are there. Mm-hmm. It seems to me that there are things that I question. Because I don't see sure. practice. I agree. Because we pray. I mean, when we pray about something being put on the arm... Well, you, you need to join me for prayers in the morning then, <laughs> or in the temp, on the Temple Mount. If you go to if you go or uh, at, at the hotel, if you go to the Western Wall, uh, you know you want to go to Shakarit. Uh, there is nothing more precious than Shakarit weekday. At, at, at the hotel, uh, what is there? Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of men. Even others, uh, reformed as even as well. Well, sure. Well, that's not in there, but yeah, yeah. But, but I'm saying it is part of their ritual. Yes, it is absolutely. Okay. So you're more likely to see a little box on the floor. Yes. Yes. You're more likely to see a band on their arm. Yes. Why? We take it literally. That's right. So are these prayers literal? And should we indeed be following it? Or is it okay to say it even though we don't do it? Who has a mezuzah on the door? If you don't, that's fine. But who has a mezuzah? Why do you put a mezuzah on your door? You take it literally. Is there specific words that are supposed to be inside? Uh, I've been to... There's a tradition that says there is. Right? I've been to, yes. Do you know what words that go in there, though? These words. Yeah, it's these words. Yeah. Well, see, I didn't know that when I got it, so I put... You know, oh, those are very good questions. Those are very good questions. Excellent questions. Those are very good questions, you know. And and taking things literally is something that... that uh, I suppose most believers are probably accused of by people that don't like them. Um... Uh, what I would simply say is, uh, how literal does it? How literal is it when the stop sign says stop? <laughs> uh, it depends, right? Who's watching? <laughs> Doesn't it? Honestly, who depend? Is that all that really matters? Is who's watching? Yes, it is, isn't it? So why do you stop? If you come to a complete stop, why? Because you know that even though nobody's watching, someone's watching. That's it. It's, it's quite simply, well, yeah, of course, you, you know it's practical, right? Let me tell you something, y'all. Here's something I want you to know right away. The Shema is extremely practical. Yeshua says it's practical. It's the basis for everything that we do. It is very practical. How practical should we keep it? As practical as you want. How literally should you keep it? As literally as you want. As literal as, you, as some people would say, as literal as you could stand. <laughs> but if that's, if that's your approach, then I would su- suggest maybe you have the wrong view of what the Shema is saying. Let's move on. That's, those are great questions. Uh, corporate prayer. This is one of the things I love. Uh, here's, here's, the way that, here's the way that I was raised... Forgive me, I'm sorry, but I didn't have a choice. Uh, I was raised, my mom, by the way, is a 
great messianic. But here's the way that I was raised. And that is that somebody stands up and prays and everybody closes their eyes. And uh, maybe they're thinking about what they're praying. I, I, I know that that's what I was taught and I know that I, I try to do that. But oftentimes that's not what happens. And the first time you mention liturgical prayer, those same people will say, well, it's just words. You're just repeating them. What if you're not paying attention? It's like, well, excuse me, corporate prayer. What if I'm not paying attention? At least I'd be saying the same words that the person's saying, right? That's the difference. Uh, yes, we can, we, can have, we can have bad practice no matter what our method of praying is. Uh, we can be, we can be uh, calloused and uh, non-participating even if our lips are moving. But it doesn't matter. Either way, we're human beings. And that's the human side. Just because we're human beings doesn't mean we shouldn't ascribe to something better or greater. Right? So, if someone is leading in prayer, and everybody has their eyes closed, and they're sitting silently, they should be praying with them. Right? In the same regard. If we have corporate prayer, and someone is leading a prayer, and we are all saying the prayers with them, we should be not just moving our lips. We should be... Thinking, kavana is what Sam talks about, right? Kavana, intention. It's, it's that shooting of the arrow and it hitting the mark. We get what we ask for. That's another thing great about the prayers. I can promise you, if you pray them with kavana, you will get what you ask for. I promise it. Why? Because it's God's word. It's his will. He says that he wants to do it. He will do it. That's the, most, that's the most gratifying thing to know. When I pray scripture, I can know that he will do what he says. That's a, wow. It's like, you know, unanswered prayer, impossible. Impossible if you're praying scripture. It's impossible. It's a great thing to pray scripture. It just is. Now, it, it was first, it was not just first instituted by Ezra and the great assembly. The, the Knesset Gadol. Uh, the, 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 that was the first place where it got real in, incorporated by all of Israel. But actually it became much earlier. Uh, corporate liturgical prayer started in the wilderness in, in the tabernacle. Uh, but it became extremely popular and practiced and carefully practiced from the time of Ezra on. And our sedours that we have, we can thank Ezra for starting the process in an organized way. Uh, we can thank David. King David for a lot of the content but in a nice organized way we can probably thank Ezra in the, in the Great Assembly from then on so somewhere in about the 5th century BCE the first disciples of Yeshua enforced, reinforced the principle and gave it additional context in light of Messiah's work they didn't go to the prayers thinking oh, oh boy you know, here we go we've got to do this stuff we've been doing this forever and now oh we have Messiah but we still have to act like we're Jewish that's absolutely false they saw the prayers for what they are as we should and that they were in fact praying God's will for the restoration of the relationship between man and God uh, so they are extremely messianic um, which I would include uh, uh, if you're messianic that's great uh, even orthodox are messianic though so understand that they're praying in hope for something, and we're praying for a return of something. Uh, someone, excuse me. Uh, all the way through the apostolic scriptures. And this is something really amazing to me. As I began to study the Sidur and to pray the prayers, I began to see Paul 
in a whole new light. And Paul, Paul is a work in progress for me anyway. But on top of that, I began to see phrases that he uses coming from the Siddur, not from Scripture. The Siddur is famous for lists of words. Famous for it. This, 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 this. Uh, it's famous for using past, present, future in everything you say. I did it. You, you, you did it in the past. You do it now. You'll do it in the future, spe- speaking of God. Paul does this all the way through in his epistles. Uh, so that it, it, will, it will give you a, when you read the apostolic scriptures, having this background in the prayers actually enhances your understanding of what Paul and John and Peter speak of specifically. Um, let's talk about the Shema now. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. That's all right. Is Ezra then um, responsible for the beginning of the Sanhedrin? Yes, Ezra. The, the uh, Knesset Hagadol, the, the Great Assembly, uh, was in fact uh, what we would call and became the Sanhedrin. Yeah, uh, the Sanhedrin is a Greek word, so it, it came to be called that probably about after the third century BCE. But the, the Great Assembly would be the beginning of the Sanhedrin. Yes. Which was recently restored. Yes, uh, actually, well, like, like three or four years ago. Yeah, uh, Sanhedrin actually is gaining gaining uh, credence among people other than me. <laughs> um, there's there's I mean there's a lot of people actually listening to him now, even though they 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 still are outside mainstream Israeli politics. Um, they are they are uh, speaking. Uh, they're saying a lot of good things. Don't divide Jerusalem's one. Yeah, they back there recently. Then in the Temple Mount recently had a fellow speak to President Bush. Yeah. Well, they did the Bush scroll. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. They delivered the Bush scroll. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you're ever in Jerusalem, by the way, Temple Mount Institute, uh, or excuse me, uh, Temple Institute uh, in the old city is a wonderful place to visit. Uh, let's talk about the Shema. It is one of the oldest of liturgical prayers. Why? Because it was given to us. In the wilderness, that's, you know, right after Sinai. <laughs> I mean, it's like, this is really old stuff. Uh, it's three passages, it's three paragraphs from, uh, 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 the three paragraphs of the Shema are the three, uh, three passages of Scripture. The first is from uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6. It is the one that is most recognizable. It's the one that people think that if they say this, that's the Shema, and it's not. It's all three is the Shema. Um, it is like a pledge of allegiance. If you follow the Sadur order, and there's a method to the madness, if you follow it, <laughs> I know there really is, if you follow it, it doesn't start with the Shema. It starts with preparation for the Shema. There's blessings before and after. But in all of it, it is, it's setting up. It's kind of like building towards a crescendo. It's setting up for this idea that you are going to accept upon yourself the kingdom of God. The yoke of the kingdom of heaven. Matthew chapter 11. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Right? Yeshua uses this language. It's the language it's the language that everyone used. Taking the yoke means that you accept the authority over you. Uh, and and so in, in the Shema, this pledge of allegiance, it is the verbal acceptance of the yoke of the kingdom of God. It's the verbal acceptance. Does it mean that you've done it? No. Uh, my my there's a lot of reasons why the Shema is precious. In uh, starting in the first century afterward it became precious for other reasons. It's probably the most often words upon a dying Jew's lips. More than screams from Auschwitz. It is the Shema that's heard. Why? Why? So, what, what kind of, who started that tradition? 
Um, it's been credited to Rabbi Akiva. I don't think that's true. Uh, but Rabbi Akiva does it very well. As he dies, as his skin is being flayed from his body, he cries out the Shema. And his disciples say that he said, Before I did not know what it meant to love him with all my heart. Now I do. Say, so are you willing to take on the yoke no matter what the cost? And that's the basis for this Pledge of Allegiance, taking on the acceptance of the Kingdom of God. Before the Shema, before the Shema in its blessings, part of the uh, uh, de Zimre, or the, uh, the, uh, the setup, or the, uh, the peeling away of the, uh, of, the, of the things of the world, and the, and the blessings, and the thinking, of, and, the, and the intention of going to God in prayer, part of that actually talks about the angels. Uh, and and begins with he made the angels and uh, what do the angels do and, and what's the what's the uh, um, actually Pesuka de Zimra begins on uh, Pesuka de Zimra begins on uh, blessed which is blessed is he who spoke um, Baruch Shamar blessed is he who spoke and the world came into being blessed is he blessed is he who maintains creation blessed is he who speaks and does blessed is he who decrees and fulfills blessed is he who has mercy on the earth blessed is he who has mercy on the creatures blessed is he who gives goodly reward to all those who fear him blessed is he who lives forever and endures to eternity blessed is he who redeems and rescues blessed is his name blessed are you Lord our God king of the universe the God the, mo- the merciful God who is lauded by the mouth of his people praised and glorified by the tongue of his devout ones and his servants and through the psalms of David your servant we shall laud you Lord our God with praises and songs we shall exalt you praise you glorify you mention your name and proclaim your reign our king our God O unique one life giver of the worlds king whose great name is eternally praised and glorified blessed are you Lord the king who is lauded with praises and going through the Pesuch de Zimra which is actually a set of uh, psalms and are it's the peeling away of all of the things that don't matter uh, the sages talk about they do a play on words just like pairing it's like peeling the skin off the apple That's, that begins if you have an art scroll it begins on page 59 Pesuka de Zimra uh, and in, these, in the Pesuka de Zimra, there's actually a section, section that talks about the angels and, and uh, what the angels and the purpose for angels and, and uh, what the angels do in, in praise of God. And if I can find it right here. Uh, actually, before I get that, uh, another blessing that precedes the Shema is Yishtabak. And you've heard me read this before as well. May your name be praised forever, our King, the God, the great and holy King in heaven and on earth, because for you it is fitting, O Lord our God, and God of our forefathers, song and praise, lauding and hymns, power and dominion, triumph, greatness and strength, praise and splendor, holiness and sovereignty, blessings and thanksgivings from this time and forever. That does sound like Paul, doesn't it? Blessed are you, Lord, God, King, exalted through praises, God of thanksgivings, master of wonders, who chooses musical song of praise, King, God, life giver of the world. And uh, like I said, a lot of these are separated by Kaddish, so you have Kaddish in the middle of all of these. Uh, And then beginning in... in the beginning of the blessings of the Shema, which is at the end of that Pesuk of Zimra, it says, Blessed are you, Lord God, King of the universe, who forms light and creates darkness, makes peace and creates all. This is a blessing for he who illuminates the world. He created light. He who illuminates the world and those who dwell upon it with compassion and his goodness renews daily, perpetually, the work of creation. How great are your works, Lord. You make them all with wisdom. 
The world is full of your possessions. The king who is exalted in solitude before creation, who is praised, glorified, upraised, and stays of old. Eternal God, with your abundant compassion, be compassionate to us. O master of our power, our rock-like stronghold, O shield of our salvation, be a stronghold for us. The blessed God, who is great in knowledge, prepared and worked on the rays of the sun. The beneficent one fashioned honor for his name and placed luminaries all around his power. And speaking of angels there. The leaders of his legions, holy ones, exalt the Almighty, constantly relate the honor of God in his sanctity. This is from Isaiah chapter 6. May it be your... uh uh, may, it be your, may you be blessed, Lord our God, beyond the praises of your handiwork, beyond the bright luminaries that you have made. May they glorify you, Selah. And then it continues and it says, May you be blessed, our rock, our king, and redeemer, creator of holy ones. Again, speaking of angels. Uh, all whose ministering angels stand at the summit of the universe and proclaim with awe together loudly the words of the living God, the king of the universe. They are all beloved. They are all flawless. They are all mighty. They all do the will of their maker with dread and reverence. This is something you pray before you say the Shema. So you're reflecting upon the angels who, do they obey completely? Is there ever a hesitation in obedience in an angel? No. They all open their mouths in holiness and purity and song and hymn and praise, bless, praise, glorify, revere, sanctify, declare the kingship of the name of God, the great, mighty, and awesome king. Holy is he. And this is the phrase I wanted to read. Uh, they all accept upon themselves the yoke of heavenly sovereignty from one another and grant permission to one another to sanctify the one who formed them with tranquility, with clear articulation, and with sweetness. All of them as one proclaim his holiness and say together with awe, and then quoting from Isaiah chapter 6, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord, master of legions, the whole world is filled with his glory. The idea that they grant permission to one another is the concept of corporate prayer. We, we, when we proclaim his name and when we praise him, not just in song, but also in prayer, we are in fact granting permission to one another, as the angels do. It's not a private thing only. Prayer is and worship is supposed to be a corporate thing. It is, it is enhanced and greatly appreciated by the king of the universe to hear his people sing his praises as his angels do. That's the idea. So it's taking the yoke upon him. Uh, uh, taking the yoke upon us. Uh, Yeshua recognized its central declaration. He does it in Matthew as well. We're going to look at Matthew 22 later on in Matthew part 3, uh, our study. We're going to look at uh, this relationship to this central prayer to the summation, the greatest commandment, the summation of all of God's instructions to us. Um, this prayer is prayed, the Shema is prayed in the morning and in the evening. It's not prayed in the prayers in the afternoon. Why is that? Why just twice? Like I say, there's always a method to the madness. Traditions have very good basis, oftentimes. Sometimes they don't. Say these words when you lie down. That's right. The very prayer that you're praying, the passage of Scripture you're praying, is the thing that commands to do this. Do it when you lie down and when you rise up. It's why a lot of people, most synagogues, when you come to Shema, everybody sits down. <laughs> it's like the one part I finally get to sit down on. It's like what? I mean, this is this is like a this is like the declaration of our of our our fealty to the to the Almighty King and what we're all sitting down. Yeah, because it says when you sit down and when you rise up. So when you walk on the way, yeah. Okay, so we should start walking. Huh? Actually, my sons every time we every time we talk about this, my sons always say, "Yeah, we always do that. Every time we're driving in the car, we're doing that. We're talking. We're talking about what he says. Yeah, that's true." <laughs> 
Um, like I say, there's tradition that there's blessings before and afterwards. Blessings afterwards, uh, by the way, the, um, this kind of like sets the stage. It kind of like directs your heart, the Shema. And as you move through the rest of the prayers, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like after you've run a long way and you're, and you have that, that sense of, of, of being tired, but also having accomplished something in the, in the, in the sense that you've, you've, you've made, you've run the race. This is what the Shema does. The Shema is like the, it's like the crescendo. It, 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 like, it builds to this point. In the first paragraph, we talked about the hear. The Shema means to hear the heed. It means that we cannot simply respond passively. It, re- it requires, the word Shema demands that we respond actively. We actually obey God. It starts off in the first paragraph, Deuteronomy 6. Hear the Lord your God, you, all the way through chapter 6. In the first paragraph, it's singular. You, individually, you. Hear, O Israel, you, individuals. English doesn't carry an individual you. It just... You kind of have to wonder, is it plural or not? Hebrew does. It means you, individually. But in the second paragraph, it moves into the, into the plural. You, as a group. So the same, it's not a repeating of the same thing. It's you, individually. And then it's you, as a group. You, collectively. In the third paragraph, we see, actually, Numbers chapter 15, the mention of zitzit, the mention of the, of the uh, tassels. Um, and it's, when you see these... The, as Roseanne talked about, the, the tefillin on the arm and the forehead, and, and, and excuse me, and zitzi, these are literal marks, marks. They're identity marks. It's why some people really don't like them because they're Jewish. Well, no, they're actually not. They're biblical. Well, I'm, th- I'm thankful somebody actually took it seriously. <laughs> Just happens they have mostly been Jewish people, but the point is that they're very literal, uh, and so they're marks. They're identity marks. You see a man wearing zitzi, it means something. Right? Their identity marks. You see a man with a kippah, it's not commanded. But without Zitzi, you hope that he's got them tucked in. (laughs) Odds are he does. Uh, Anyway, you get the idea. Um, (laughs) uh, Zitzi are also included in the talit. It's the sole purpose for the talit. The prayer shawl, the shawl means nothing. It's about the Zitzi. It's the tassels. It's so that you can have tassels on. That's the purpose for it. That's where it comes from. and the tefillin. The tefillin, if anybody doesn't know about tefillin, uh, I, I don't have time to talk about it, but the tefillin, uh, the phylacteries, totafot, uh, 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 they shall be as on your arm and on your, between your eyes. They are, they are literally a, a reminder of who we are wed to. Seven times around the, or the, the weak arm rather, seven times around the weak arm, around the ring finger. And when you're putting it on, you're quoting, I will betroth you to me with righteousness, justice. I will betroth you to me, and you, uh, and you shall know the Lord. So it is, a, it, is a, it is a man's recognition that he is bound to the Creator in covenant. It is a covenant expression. It's a mark. It's a mark upon him. It's a very good mark. Um, and this paragraph three, in reference to the zitzi, is a reference also to that mark. He says, you, they're, they're known by this. Uh, Shabbat is a mark as well, but it's not mentioned in this. Um, 
we talk about the keywords. Praying in Hebrew helps because the keywords are repeated. You hear them. You hear them also then when you read the scripture. Sometimes English uses different words in you know different places, and you don't see the associations. Hebrew helps because you get the associations. So smaller vocabulary get great associations. It's helpful. However, you should pray in a language you understand. Uh, it's said that if you pray in the holy tongue, it doesn't matter if you understand or not. I don't agree with that. I think you should understand it. But I think that it is also something good to learn to pray the prayers in Hebrew if you can. Uh, there's tunes that go with them. Uh, it is very good to use the tunes because it, especially if you have little kids, they like they like to join in. Singing them is great. It's uh, funny what they think it all means, but they, they, they love joining in with the, language, with the, with the singing. Um, they memorize it. My, my little seven-year-old Judah knows the Shacharit service. It takes about 30 minutes to read it, and he knows it by heart. Oh. Um, he wants to read it now. He's not content with read, knowing it. He wants to read it, so he has to read it. Yeah. It takes him longer. He says, Daddy, can you pray slower so I can read? Um, <laughs> um, so, <laughs> excessive bowing. I'm not talking about davening. You know, the davening, the, the, that, that, that rocking motion is to establish concentration. Uh, it, there's a history behind it. I won't go into it. But um, that's, not what's, that's not bowing. There are actually places that you bow in a certain way. And there's only certain places you bow. Excessive bowing is frowned upon. Why? Because it's a distraction. Knock it off. You're distracting everybody. Uh, the Shimon Esrei has a couple places you bow in it. And all of this, uh, I didn't finish about it. Uh, worshipers are behaving as if they're ascending the Temple Mount. And in ascending, once they ascend, and how they're praying. We'll talk about, two weeks from now, we'll start talking about the Amidah, the Shimon Esrei. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's wonderful messianic pictures with that, within it, in the scripture within it as well. Let's close in prayer. Our Father, we do thank you that you are a good and trustworthy king. Uh, We thank you that we can uh, turn our eyes to you and know that you uh, always uh, are faithful and that you love us and that your every expression towards us is for our good. And Father, we look at your uh, injunctions in the the Shema, in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And Father, we know uh, specifically that they are a call to us as uh, individuals, as as sinful human beings to lay down the things that that, uh, pull us away from you and to take you and to cling to you and to know that with you only do we have a hope. Father, we put our hope upon you. We thank you that you have done all that was necessary for us in the work of Yeshua. We pray all these things. In Yeshua's name, Amen.